You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Melanie, and in the future, we'll find out that a lot of future predictions are inaccurate because we use computers to run simulations for us to make those predictions, and computers apparently don't understand chaos. And if you don't understand chaos, then you can't predict the future accurately, so. This is Randy, and in the future... It'll be discovered that the moon landing was faked. It was shot on a soundstage by Stanley Kubrick two miles under the surface of Mars. And this is Jesse in the future. Guys, I, I can't see beyond episode 100. What, what does that mean? means there is no future (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh no in the future we've ran out of the future (laughs) there is no future but what we make that's not quite right yeah the grog's podcast dark fate (laughs) oh no oh no we don't have a lot of time left guys this is episode 99 no i know i know and then what I don't know. I can't see it. The, f- the future is unclear. Shake again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This has been the Grogs Podcast in the future. The future is unclear. Or is All it? signs point to yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. See, now I'm thinking of future predictions. Now that we're almost to the future, I'm thinking of future predictions. Yeah. Maybe in the future, we can do like in the past... <laughs> I do like that actually. I like that. I also like the idea of doing in the future predictions from the point of view of somebody from like the past. So we could just like pick random past events and point out how ridiculous they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to the Grogs Podcast, episode number 99. Woo. I got 99 problems, but Grogs ain't one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so good. I. It's wow, it's taken us over five and a half years. Just shot, like, we're just like th- three months, th- three or four months shy of six years to get to episode 99. Yep. Now, of course, that doesn't include any of the live shows or the new Grolix Nights or the old Grolix Nights or Grolix Bites or all the pre shows, but it makes me think of that thing where it says, uh, I don't go too fast, but I go pretty far. Also, it's October. It's Halloween. It's the greatest season of the year. It is. It's the greatest it's the season. the most wonderful time of the year. It is. I do love me some Halloween. Who doesn't? Man? This year, it's definitely one of those where I started feeling it in September. Yeah, me too. I always, like, beginning of September, I'm like, oh, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Halloween's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, it seemed like summer went forever, too. Yeah. So, like, seeing fall stuff show up in the grocery store, even though it was like still hitting like high eighties or nineties, I was like, mm-hmm. "I'm, I'm, I'm okay. My body is ready." All right. So this episode, since it's our Halloween episode, I'm like, uh, "Hey, what can we do?" Obviously, we don't have a big fancy Halloween special plan this year like we usually do, mainly because we're busy with all other fancy 
specials coming up mm-hmm. and uh, lots of live shows we've been doing. Uh, GrawlixPodcast.com slash live. That'll take you to there. Actually, I just started recently. <laughs> once we like are kind of winding down on the live series, posting them to the Grawlix site because otherwise I haven't posted any of them to the Grawlix site. But uh, so point is, we've been busy. However, our previous years Halloween specials, those are timeless. Yeah. So I do recommend oh, yeah. going back and listening. Grolic's podcast Halloween special 2018 was great. We had Jasper, our GFAM brother from Grolic Cinematic Universe, join us. And we did a tabletop game, slasher-themed tabletop game. Great fun. The game itself was a little iffy, but the, the episode is amazing. <laughs> I reference it all the time. Like, I still call him Connor. I know, I know. It's you did the you did a chat the other day. And I was it took me a second. I was Connor. Oh yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> I I really wish that episode would have got more traction, and uh, you know, it still can because it's mm-hmm. timeless. Go take go listen to it, listener. Mm-hmm. And then the year before, we also put a lot of work into. We did a uh, house is it house of mysteries a swamp thing fan. We're fans fan produced. Don't sue us, DC audio drama. The very first swamp thing story, and mm-hmm. that. Is great as well. Yeah, and it was. Yes. It was the same year that Bernie Wrightson and the Bernie uh, Wrightson. Yeah, yeah, both of them passed that year. Oh, Len Wein, yeah, and Len Wein, who was much more, was only a couple months, a few months before. And yeah, so it was somewhat of a. Yeah, a, it's yeah. sad. It was our homage. Yeah, but we got to interact with Len Wein's widow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. She listened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she liked the audio drama a lot. I don't think she really cared much for our commentary. Commentary, yeah. <laughs> but uh, still, super cool. And she is also an entertainment lawyer, and we haven't got sued for it. So I, I good. Yeah, good. Good yeah. on you. Good on us. <laughs> <laughs> Whoo! However, this year, so we were like, "What are we gonna do?" And Jesse was talking to me not long ago about Christopher R. Mim movies, as he often does. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "How?" Have we not done a MIM episode talking about Christopher? If you, listener, you probably don't, you, it's possible you don't know who this is. Uh, Christopher R. MIM, for one, is one of the first people we interviewed on the podcast. He's one of the first people I talked to at what convention was it? It was Ozfest. Uh, Ozfest. That's back on episode number seven. Lucky number seven. Yeah. Wow. And so he was one of the very first people we interviewed on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to him. It was just brief, but I talked to him at the convention, recorded it. Jesse, Melanie was asking me last night, actually. Did you know of him or his movies before? No. That? In fact, I... Uh, so you did that interview, and I listened to the interview, and it sounded great. And then Axton and I tabled at Scream in the Dark Film Festival God, later on that year. And... Still didn't know who he was, and they were playing his movies right there in the main hall. And I was, and I was like watching it, and was like, "What is this? This is this is both incredible and ridiculous." Like because I'm I'm catching it like in snippets, you know, like I'm <laughs> I'm catching it like partway through, and I'm like, "What what is happening right now on that screen over there?" And so it, we almost started doing like a mystery science theater three thousand type of thing with our booth neighbors and uh and then i then i was like wait a minute why is it because i asked i was like what what are these movies and uh they were describing it to us and i was like wait a minute 
I, I recognize this because you had talked, you had talked to him and you had interviewed him and I, and I finally put two and two together on the whole thing. I think that was shortly after the giant spider and, um, the late night double feature were released and, mm-hmm. uh, I was hooked. Like I, I, I was hooked after watching those. I, uh, looked up those same movies and picked up a copy of each, uh, so that I could experience them in their entirety. And then I started backing uh, all the movies from then on, starting with uh, Danny Johnson Saves the World uh, under the GrawlixPodcast.com uh, contributor credit. So we have uh, since then contributed five movies that have been released and one that is coming out. So we've got our half a dozen movies with with our name attached and uh, hoping hoping to get those made. Yeah, so Jesse became a huge fan. And I yeah. love the idea, but I still have never I still had never watched any of them. So Until... we're like, well, let's do a mem episode. Yeah. Seems appropriate. And so we watched none of the movies that Jesse backed under the Grolixpodcast.com. No, no, I was I was laughing about that when you told me which ones you watched because I was like, whoops. <laughs> well, I, I we wanted to do the giant spider, and I know he had made movies prior to this, but that was, you know, that was I think that's the one he was really actively promoting when we talked to him initially. And then you had recommended a few, including the double feature. The double feature sounded interesting to me. Uh, before we watched the double feature, I looked it up and I was like, oh, we didn't, our, our name's not in this. I, I want to see, I want to see one with a Grolix podcast in the title, in the credits. And I was looking at the other ones. I was like, you know what though? The double feature still sounds cool. So we're just going right, to do that. Right. You get a couple of different flavors and yeah. So we are going to talk about this episode. We're going to talk a bit about those movies, The Giant Spider and Late Night Double Feature, which is actually two like shorter movies, hence Double Feature. So listener, what these movies are, what Christopher R. Mim does, he has a very specific thing he does. They're, they're low-budget movies. They're definitely acts of love, or is that the right yeah, action oh yeah. projects? You know, whatever. And uh, he self-describes them as new old good bad movies yep (laughs) the giant spider for example it's basically a modern 1950s giant monster insect movie Mm -hmm. right and that's the aesthetic i mean they're they're it's time period appropriate which has got to make the cost significantly more to produce these things yeah we were watching them and in both movies i'm like he's got to be friends with somebody who who's just a, a car buff that has all these old cars because there's way too many of them in this in these movies for somebody who's you know trying to make a low budget movie to have in his movie unless he's buddies with somebody yeah so okay let's go ahead and jump into it a little bit because that is a good point the giant spider we're watching this and it is it's period appropriate uh it's shot cleverly like first off he he totally understands less is more like he get away with really kind of selling the aesthetic by embracing the fact that well for one the original movies were super cheap anyway mm-hmm. and so like they understood less is more a bare bones set just enough to like you know it looks decent enough to sell that it's this place and in mim's case sell the time period yeah this seems totally actually appropriate and then like there's a drive-in scene and it's like okay well the drive-in that's not necessarily actually a drive-in where the cars are. It's just a, like a field. But there's a, all kinds of period appropriate cars. And mm-hmm. that's when I was like, wow. Th- I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes period movies are expensive. Yeah. The outfits and the cars is expensive. 
either he's in a, a car club or as friends in the car club because mm-hmm. there's a lot of really nice looking mm-hmm. mint 1950s vehicles. Yeah. Including that uh, motorcycle with the sidecar. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. The movies are black and white. They are high def. I did rent them in high def because I accidentally rented the first one in high def. It was a dollar more. And I was like, oh, I just want to rent this low, the, the cheaper one. Were they all in, in black and white? Yeah. Except the giant spider title was in red. And I was like, that's cheating. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, he's actually like, as as time has gone on, his most recent uh, release was the Queen of Snakes. And spoilers, that, that's got some color in it. Like he's kind of, as he's gone along, I think, what is this? Like 12, 13 movies that he's got out now. He's kind of, uh, updated so it's like we've hit we've hit the point where he's he's gone through and he's done kind of the homages that he wants to the 50s and now he's kind of throwing in some homages to some of those later time periods as well queen of snakes i had to watch the trailer for that Mm -hmm. does feel like one of those weird 60s movies yeah Yeah. i could have swore that that the one in space was in color because i feel like the alien was green Oh really? I I in my mind I picture him as like reddish. Really? Yeah, it was okay. black and white. Okay. Probably was green though. You know, he, the aesthetic. That I mean that's kind of the big thing. So these are very low budget movies. Some of the actors are pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad acting. There's a lot of intentional bad acting, mm-hmm. which is a super clever way to cover bad acting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's a smart move on his behalf. I commend him for dedication to the aesthetic because I could understand doing a couple movies, but doing 12 movies or so. And he does nail the, even the, you know, cause you had mentioned like the giant spider was good, but also like suggested watching some of the newer ones. Cause he's, you know, gotten better. Even the giant spider nails it because if you take video and just, cause it's obviously shot on digital video, newer, it's high def looks good. It's a, a consumer or prosumer great equipment. If you just take video and then just, black and white desaturate colors mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. still not going to look right you have to hit like there's a certain contrast and there's a certain like black and white kind of color balance if you will mm-hmm. to really nail that 50s movie aesthetic and he he nails it i feel like he could melanie mentioned it pull back from the vignette a little bit vignettes a little dark not totally necessary you know around the frame around uh-huh. the image but it's part of like you know drive-in movie and yeah projector did we do we know somebody if somebody knows someone needs to tell us there's some cigarette burns that's what that was the next <laughs> thing i was gonna say yeah and, and a little flicker is there hidden is there hidden uh uh what do you call those oh, frames <laughs> fight in there? club there, type stuff yeah is there, he, he's is there such a, a fan of movies uh that's that's kind of funny i know for a fact that he does that kind of thing in like house of ghosts which is his love letter to the like environmental movie who was that guy that did that where he would like pipe in um, smells and that kind of thing. Oh and then he would, yeah. Like, put um, intentional, like he would flash that William, a word on Will, the screen and William that Castle? kind of thing. And he would do an intro before the movie started where he would like uh, say that you need to wear these glasses at certain points in the movie because otherwise you could legitimately die from fright. Like that kind of like <laughs> over the top type of thing. William Castle, I think. I could be yeah, that could that. be that could be it. Yes, very gimmicky. 
yes. 50. Like Vincent Price popped up. Like the Tingler was another one where right. they'd have little like uh, they rigged up little sh- zap little zappers into the seats of the audience and stuff like just crazy <laughs> stuff and like the whole thing is like you had to scream so in certain parts of the movie audience scream you have to scream and then at one point it's like it's in the theater and like just crazy gimmick stuff that's fun though that's yeah. fun was that the one that was like presented in plasmo vision or something yes something like okay that, yeah. i did see that okay he nails them he nails them mm. he nails the aesthetic and the feel of these movies but one thing more so with the giant spider. I enjoyed the other movies. We'll talk about those in a moment. But giant spider, my first, my introduction to these. Oh movies. yeah, your first mm-hmm. official Christopher R. Mim movie. One thing that struck me: these movies are funny. There's a lot of humor. Some of it's super cheesy humor. It's intentionally cheesy humor. Some of it I found legitimately funny. But one thing that struck me while watching the giant spider, we weren't that far into it. I'm like, you know, having watched several of the movies that this is homaging several of the old low budget monster movies of the fifties. I can tell you right now, he's already put way more care into writing of the script than any of those movies. <laughs> oh, for like, sure. Yeah. Because a lot of those movies, you know, they're just pumped out. They don't filmmakers. They didn't care. They didn't have a burning desire. It's just, those were making money in the drive-in. So let's just pump out a bunch of, it's like if you watch Ed Wood and he's like, you know, they got the poster. He's like, just make this movie. I don't care what it's about. Just put put something so I got something to put on screens. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. So they're a little dull. But you can tell here, it's like, no, he's trying, man. Like, he, mm-hmm. he gets it. He loves those movies. But he's actually putting effort into it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. And they all kind of tie into each other. Like, he's he describes it as the Mimiverse. And they all kind of tie together. And so there's, like, little jokes throughout the entire run of these movies. Like, there's almost always a Ghostbusters reference. Um, There's usually some kind of Star Wars reference, especially in the space ones. I'm sure you probably noticed that in the double feature. Um, There's usually, like, a flashlight gag where they, like, check out the flashlight to see if it works before they proceed, where they flash Mm -hmm. it into their own face a couple times. One thing I noticed is... A lot of riffs on the sexism of the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of riffs on the sexism of the time. That's like a major, you know, and that's accurate, but that's like a major, major theme of both the space one we watched and the giant spider. Mm hmm. Not so much the other one, but the other one was kind of an outlier. And I, I were, def- there were, were there even? Oh, there was one woman in it. The third, the second double feature one. Yeah. Yeah. But there was only that one woman in it. Yeah. So, right. You know, and half the time she wasn't even really a woman. Mel- Melanie, let's talk. Talk at me. Giant Q-tip. That's that's my whole. There was a giant Q-tip, and <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> it's so funny. I think the thing that got the best, the biggest laugh out of me was it still seems so funny, and I don't know why. When they're in the barn. Oh, I did enjoy the alien joke where yeah. they're in the barn, and he's like, you know, doesn't want to tell him what's coming because they're he knows they're gonna laugh at him. <laughs> they're like well what is it is it aliens and he's like hey, what no and then he finally <laughs> tells them he's like it's a giant mutant spider the size of a silo corn silo and they're laughing at him and he's like what would it, would it have been better if I, if I told you it was aliens they're like oh yeah and he's like what and they don't buy it they don't believe him and finally he's like it's aliens and they're like oh my god they all run out <laughs> he's like how is that better <laughs> <laughs> yeah but 
that's not what got the big laugh out of me. The big laugh oh. was when him and the him and his fiance were in the barn, and the door opens, and that <laughs> the the leg prop from the spider. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not a yeah. bad prop. It's just so funny. It just like pokes in and like taps the floor a little bit. I just <laughs> lost it. Now I I could be wrong about this one, um, but I believe that this one was supposed to be kind of intentionally funny, like as far as. Uh, his movies go because uh, like they all have that like unintentional humor charm to them. But like this one, I think he intentionally wrote to be kind of funny and fun. Yeah, there were definitely like, yeah, I could tell the other ones are funny. It is that kind of like it's intentional camp. Right. But this one, the dialogue had more jokes written in the other. Yeah. Yeah. The other ones were just funny either through just performances or just, you know, embracing the super cheese yeah i mean can we jump into the next ones a little bit yeah oh my god pigboard (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah i love how he like creates uh futuristic sets using uh low budget materials and like it's not a very big ship (laughs) like like just uh just embraces that yeah and i'm like that it is kind of genius though like it was it's basically the set was it's pegboard taped together with lights behind it. And it's amazing. It, every, like, so, okay. What is it? Some planet, something about Planet X. Is it? The Fiend from the Planet X. The Fiend from Planet or X. The, uh, the Fiend from Beyond uh, X. The Fiend from Beyond Space, I believe is what it's called. Okay. God, that one really nails it too. He nails it in that these old movies, the old low budget movies, and this is kind of a lot of people's issues with old older movies, they were low budget and showing monsters and action and was expensive. It's expensive now, but it was even more expensive back in the day when you had giant film cameras that were heavy and cumbersome. You know, they say the rule in filmmaking is show, don't tell. These old movies are like, nope, just tell. You put some characters in a room, it reuse, you switch to a different angle if you need another room. And just have him tell the story mm-hmm. because it's cheap. And he he embraces that. And the space one, I liked it. It was a little long, even though it's really not. It's short. But he embraced the, like, tell, don't show. But it's a series of, like, you know, they're on a spaceship. But it's a series of tiny rooms with these pegboard walls. And you could tell it's obviously, like, just the same pegboard walls, just slightly arranged different. And a different thing hanging on them mm-hmm. is for right. every room. And every room has a little plaque that says what that room is. I was like, that's fun. That's clever. Uh-huh. You have, like, the music references, too. So you have Jay Cash. And, like, the one, I noticed the one that, yep. character's name is June. I don't know what the floor was. It was not metal. But the no. Foley... Every it's all like that walking on metal grate sound. Uh-huh. Every yep. step, and after I heard it, I couldn't on hear it. Like I was just paying attention to that the whole time, and I was like, "It's actually pretty good Foley work." But it's clearly they're not on metal grates, but it sounds like it, so that amused me. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I think it's the least entertaining of the three we watched. Yeah, maybe. Although I think I enjoyed the low budget nature of that one the most. Mm-hmm. Right. It feels a little long, especially that end. I'm just like, just wrap it, just wrap it up. And I get the point is like, that's another thing where the humor comes from. It's like that end is so drawn out. Like after they kill the alien, <laughs> they don't kill him or they abandon him. Oh, they abandon him. They defeat him. Yeah. That end little scene where they're drinking, like 
it's so drawn out. I'm like, just end it. There, what is this? There's nothing happening. But I, that's the point. I think that's mm-hmm. the humor. Yeah. Right. Also, I love that captain. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Fraley. I think I mean I could be wrong about this, but I think he is a throwback to an earlier MIM movie, uh, Destination Outer Space, or something, or maybe oh. it was um, Attack of the Moon Zombies. Um, is that why he gets like the hero treatment, kind of? I think so. You know, like and and he, we've seen him before. I'm gonna have to now. I'm gonna have to look that up because that'll bother me. But I, I'm pretty sure that Captain Fraley is uh, a throwback to a previous movie. He feels like a Zap. Zap. Uh, Zap Brannigan. Yeah, a little bit. Oh yeah, he was fun. Mm-hmm. Like his, the characters are so stilted in all these, and that's intentional. Mm-hmm. But his was like the most natural and fun. It's still ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting that they really riff. They do on that one and in the first one real heavily. They riff on the sexism thing, mm-hmm. but he still commits to the time period. He doesn't change that. The man, the captain, saves the day, even though, like, whatever, he should be fairly incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And the women just, like, kind of get pushed over. They're just laying on the ground the whole time while he's fighting, <laughs> doing the final fight. And I'm just like, really? Like, you know it's an issue, but you're still going to commit? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It's appropriate. Well, one of the women saved him, though. That's true. So. I just thought it was funny. Then she got knocked out. But it's, but it's also embracing... What makes those movies the bad aspects of those movies yeah. for comedy? Yeah. Because like the one girl like gets pushed over, the one lady, and she just like lays there the whole time and then sits there and watches. And at one point, what was it? She needs to get up to rescue. Maybe it was him. Rescue somebody. And it looks like she's just sitting there and then she just has to like get up and walk over there. But it looks like not like she's struggling, like she's annoyed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she's <yeah>. like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That yeah, I just looked too. it up, and uh, yeah, that character, Captain Fraley, as played by Daniel uh, Svert. Oh, I'm going to get that name wrong. Jervin? But anyways, uh, yeah, Captain Fraley, he is a character that comes back from Attack of the Moon Zombies. And the actor, the same actors appear in a lot of these that mm-hmm. I've noticed. And he played the male lead, I guess you would say, in uh, Giant Spider, I believe. Who, the captain? Ah, uh, that, yeah. that seems right. Not the captain. Was it the captain? I thought so. Captain? Captain. I thought so. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Also. Yes, Howard Johnson is uh, is the same actor. Okay. Okay. I thought so. His face. He's good. Oh, he, he looks yeah, quite a bit different. Yeah, he's real good. He's real good. There's Because there's a lot of people in there, and it works perfectly for the aesthetic and what he's going for. But there's a lot of people in there that you can tell are like, you know, they're friends or family members or, mm-hmm. you know, not professional actors. And it works. That's kind of the brilliance of embracing the B-grade, mm-hmm. old school B-grade aesthetic. And then there's occasional people where you're like, he's good. Like, even though he's hamming it up, he's actually pretty good. Like, his oh, yeah. expressions, he seems natural. Like, you could tell there's a few people in there that are like, they're if they're not actual actors. They could be. They could be. Yeah. And he's one of them. I thought he was good. Melanie commented on him in the yeah. Giant Spider. Yeah. yeah. He's got actor looks. Yeah, exactly. Kids. That that was one of the things. The kids were like, there, I got all my lines out, you know, kind oh, of I thing. Love, <laughs> Giant Spider opens with, uh, it's, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be one of Mim's, uh, Mim's son, I'm assuming, but, uh, it's Danny. Oh yeah. Danny Johnson is his son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's running around playing in the woods, but like he spits the dialogue out and it's just like, 
tried to rush through it, huh? <laughs> he says, no, oh, oh, oh. he's like, well, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, second take? No, never mind. We're good. <laughs> but that's, you know, again, that's part of it. Yeah. Oh, it's cool to see them too, like the kids, because you see them start to show up in the movies more and more. And then uh, I think the next one after this is Danny Johnson Saves the World. And uh, the the new one that's coming out soon, that's going to be a, another one where Danny Johnson is, takes the lead role. And uh, it's kind of cool to see how these kids, have, like watching these kids grow up in these mm-hmm. movies has been fun. After the first movie we watched, I went and watched a bunch of trailers on the on YouTube mm-hmm. uh-huh. for his other movies, including that the newest one, which I don't think is out yet. No, I don't think it is. But yeah, it's the one where it's like the Phantom Lake kids. Yeah, that one's not out yet. Not something yet. The Beast Walk with the Beast. I don't know, something about Beast. But yeah, I watched a bunch of trailers. I watched that and, you know... The kid that plays Danny was in Giant Spider, but that trailer had like the four kids. And then when we, this is a segue into the third movie mm-hmm. or the second of the double feature, uh, has all the kids in it as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, like kids grow so fast. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk about this third one, the wall people. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, you recommended the late night double feature because the wall people is, you said, uh, you know, it's kind of actually kind of creepy yeah there's some there's some elements that are like whoa (laughs) you know like like what's going on with this uh because Uh it's like you think you know what's going on and then there's a twist and Mm -hmm. yeah and he he plays with uh he plays with his environments in this one quite a bit in some fun ways so at that same movie convention that i went to that scream in the dark film festival this is the one in particular that he recommended at least at that time and i think this was the the most recent of his movies that had come out at that time um and he said yeah no the uh the wall people legitimately uh creeps me out i i could have nightmares about the wall people I was like, I've, I've got to see this now because this guy watches a lot of horror movies so mm-hmm. yeah so I enjoyed the giant spider, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed the the space one. Mm-hmm. They were fun. Mm-hmm. I actually really like this. The wall people. Yeah, it, it's it's still, and I wasn't sure what to expect. And it starts, and it feels honestly, it feels it feels like a comedy in the beginning to me a little bit. Well, the the opening scene with the credits mm-hmm. felt it felt a little bit more modern than fifties, but it still has mm-hmm. the fifties aesthetic, and. Oh, I love the the score for the the music in this one. There, it's all like old film music, but like this is all old synthes old analog synthesizer sounds, just weird sounds. Mm-hmm. The acting is super hammed up in this one. It is straight up comedy acting. When he answers the door, oh my god! I thought it was yeah, that was good. <laughs> but this one is kind of legitimate. This one is like the outlier of the three, mm-hmm. and I that's I, I really like it because it doesn't. Maybe if anything, it's kind of feels like a Twilight Zone mm-hmm. homage, but mm, yeah, I it's see that. still it's so weird because it feels like its own thing. It feels mu- the story is seems much more original than the other ones, mm-hmm. but it's still through that fifties black and white B grade movie lens, and it's so that makes it even weirder. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. It and, is. It's like you can't after at, at a certain point you realize that you just can't really trust anything. Uh huh. Right. And it goes off the rails completely like twice. There's yeah. two points where I'm like, wait, what? Uh-huh. Where is this <laughs> yeah, going? Like, we're dead. You're dead. We're all dead. We're like, what? Uh, 
I love that. Are you kidding that. me? <laughs> yeah, that was good. And then there's the witch, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> she wasn't yes, really a witch, yes. was she? No, she's just like a witchy being. She seemed well, like a witch, but she wasn't. She, I, I kind of assumed that it was she was a human child that he had taken. And, oh, maybe. And over the centuries, being exposed to his whatever made her that way because she looks like a person, mm-hmm. except, you know, for these couple little differences. And if you look at him at the end, I mean, you know, green and you know, elongated features. Which actually makes it much more sad. I almost feel like he could dial back the camp on this one a little. Mm-hmm. Like even keep the production the same because I like the look of it. That's kind of part of what makes it interesting. Like the what we think is purgatory for a while. It's just black. It's just black void. Mm-hmm. And, and it's well, well handled. It was great. It threw you off. It had twists or whatever. But also it had several different types of horror movie uh, ideas. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of different interesting ideas in this one. And and like little things like 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 the kids laughing. Mhm. Oh, There's yeah. lots of little different ideas all kind of floating around but they come together well. The witch feels I'm not wild about the witch. Mm-hmm. But that's just because that's when it takes a twist and it's like, "Oh no, it's actually this other thing." Mm-hmm. Which is a much more sci-fi than straight horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also think about what I just said. When they introduce the witch is when it becomes much more sci-fi than horror. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, yeah. It's both. It's both things, yeah. There's also elements of like, you can't trust reality. You don't know what's reality. Mm-hmm. And it plays with that. And, you know, it's a short film, so it kind of goes about it quick. But like to the point where we're going to give all the spoilers here. But yeah. it jumps like five years in the future, or it jumps ahead five years. And then, I love that bit too because like he's just like holed up in like a mental institution in those five years trying to figure things out. And mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Though I don't remember which one of them, but one of the doctors is basically at his bedside reading him the story of the giant, the spider. giant spider. Yo, yeah, the one in the, the one in the Hawaiian shirt, that guy. Yeah, 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 with the mustache. Mm-hmm. By the way, the doctors—they're both in the giant spider as scientists. Mm-hmm. So same characters, I'm assuming. I like them in Giant Spider better, just because they're so smarmy in this one. <laughs> they're so smarmy because like <laughs> they think he's crazy most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they kind of like annoyed me. I'm like, you. D- of course, I know. Like we know what we're watching. He's not just crazy. Something crazy is going to happen. But you know, whatever. <laughs> well, that was the thing too, because he went on like. He, oh. I know you don't get it. I don't think I'm crazy. And blah, blah, blah. And then he sticks his arm through a wall. And I'm like, that's Look. what you lead with. You stick your arm <laughs> through the wall and then you go through the rest, you know? He really does. He does the thing. And they dra- he dra- they drag it out. It's so frustrating. Yeah. But that's also like, they're going for humor. Mm-hmm. They drag it out so long to where he's like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's not crazy. Just let me show you. And they're like, well, wh- what is it you're going to show us? Well, just let me explain it to you. Blah, 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 blah. And he's not really explaining it. And he's just like <laughs> still trying to convince it's, them while he hasn't yeah. told them what he's convincing of. And it seems it felt like it go on, went on for like five minutes easily before. Yeah. He sticks his hand through a wall and there's a crazy light show and all this. And they're just like, whoa. Yeah. And Melanie did say, well, we're watching it. <laughs> you lead with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's so perfect for that era, too. You know, like that's uh-huh. exactly what they do. That's exactly what they do. 
the opening scene with the credits and that first shot with the, all the hands, the shadows of the hands closing mm-hmm. in on the kid, that was actually legitimately super well composed and like just really good. That was good. I love the way that he realizes that it's all fake in the in the hospital too. I think. It's, oh yeah, that's with the pictures and the. Mm-hmm. And the one is a drawing of the monster that he encountered in the purgatory space. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is a, is that scene itself. The scene that, yep. And uh, I like that. He's like, and the picture of the monster. Well, that's just a monster, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy's performance. Like the scientist guys are the, well, they were smarmy and it annoyed me, but that they were doing okay. But, you know, they're, they're totally ap- appropriate for all these movies. That guy's performance, though, was as the as the guy the dad or whatever mm. was good and entertaining but like so so over the top his body posture and body language was so funny mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's he was fun to watch oh my god hunched yeah. over yeah, Doug- just like- Douglas Sidney plays Barney Collins yeah he was super fun and he plays it like a kid he's like <sighs> you're going to think I'm crazy it just like- <laughs> yeah you know, you know who he kind of reminds me of um, so you're, I know you don't like them, but the like scary movie spoofy type movies, uh-huh. and I don't remember which one it was. And maybe it was for, maybe it was the first one. I don't know. But at the end they do like the usual suspects type thing where mm-hmm. they have, uh, Doofy, Doofy. Wait, was it actually Doofy or was that Scream? No. It was Doofy. Yeah. That, he, he, he felt like that to me. Like. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Also, you know, I mean, the alien one was good. It had like nods of like the thing almost a little bit or thing from another. Well, the, even the thing from another, uh, from outer space or whatever the original was didn't really cover this aspect of like it can Im- imitate mm-hmm. the crew. So you don't know who's mm-hmm. who. Right. Um, but I mean, that said, like the third one had such an interesting story mm-hmm. that I would be curious I don't say like play it straight, but I'd be curious to see a more an extended, maybe a less hammy version mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, that doesn't. That's not really this. That's not really Mim style. Yeah, I'm curious if he ever does anything that's outside of Mim uh, of his of the Mimiverse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you that uh, as as we go further into his filmography, he does start playing with that a little bit more, like. What's a good example? Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter, even though that uh, title alone really implies some pretty big camp, uh, he does go a little darker with that one, and and uh, seems like he dials back. Even though even though it's so ridiculous, like that that title, he does dial back the camp a little bit in that, and it is a little more intentionally dark. And that came right after Danny Johnson saves the world, where it's super almost Muppet show level can't be fun. Mm-hmm. Do they say damn? <gasps> oh, that was Melanie's <laughs> huge hang up, especially the guy that played the military guy in, uh, you say it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the military captain or whatever, whatever his title is, he kept, he, he's going on these rants and he's like, dang it. And I'm like, that is not in character at all, and and it, and it pulls me out of the world. And he would say, "Damn it, I don't care." They would take the they would take the fine. No, they yes. w- that's my thing though. They wouldn't say not that in the fifties. Not in the fifties. They wouldn't they say it in the fifties. Uh, the forties, they got away with one in Gone with the Wind, and that was a controversy. No, but they they 
could have them in there, but they had to pay a fine. And like I said, those B movies would not do that because that means they would have to pay out extra money. And that's not what they were about. They were about as cheap as possible, throw it in a drive-in, make some money, move on. They're not going to pay no fine for their decision to want to throw, you know, a curse word in there. That's not even a bad one. I mean, in the 30s, they dropped F-bombs. Come on. <laughs> it, him not saying, damn it, is appropriate. I don't like it, though. It's, it, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's ugly. That's those movies. It's ugly, and I don't like it. And uh, and nuts. He said nuts several times too. <laughs> what did you think of uh, like the slapping? I loved it. Every it everyone like had. Fu- it's like a fun, uh, like almost running gag at a certain point. All three of them we watched had slapping. And the third one even like to the point where <laughs> the guy got, gets carried away, and he's like, yeah, "They're bad slaps, you know." Oh like, yeah, like, he like, slaps like, the guy like, "How do I know this times. is real?" Slap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> slaps him a bunch, then goes over. The other guy's like. Just looks at me. He's like, "What? I've been wanting to do that since we got here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. These were these were very fun. They're very entertaining. Also, Christopher Armin was in the Giant Spider. He usually plays a voice. Like I believe he plays the voice of the computer in. Uh, oh, fun! In Fiend the Hal from Beyond the Hal Space. Nod. Yes. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah, I appreciated that. It's good fun. The Wall People. I'm glad you recommended that one because that one, that's, I mean, I'll remember all these, of course, but that's the one I think that'll stick with me for a while because it was unique amongst them, but still within, I guess, an appropriate canon. Well, this is kind of appropriate too, because I think these are the two that were the most recent when you interviewed him way back on episode seven. I know he had mentioned the giant spider for sure. And if the late night double feature hadn't come out, it was coming out. Mm hmm. So. What's his name again? Christopher Armim. Christopher. Yeah. Okay. yeah, they also do a podcast. Yes. Actually, there's when you talked to him, there was the uh, Bonfire podcast, I believe. And uh, that has since gone on hiatus. But Christopher Armim, uh, he's still regular. He does a monthly Memiverse audio cast. His catalog is impressive. You want to know what the budget was for the Giant Spider? 10000 $7,500. Wow. I am impressed. I believe there's some stop motion animation and stuff too, isn't there? I'm so glad you, there is. His face. I loved the spider, the creature design when you get the close up of the spider's face. Mm -hmm. So good. Like who, I think it's him. I think it's Christopher Armin. I could be wrong. Whoever designs his monsters, they're so good. It was uh, Mitch Gonzalez, I believe. Oh, okay. uh, All the monsters. Yeah. I love, I love his designs because they're, Usually appropriately a little wacky, appropriate to the time frame, but also there's a little extra to where he embraces like the spider looks strange. It's it's gross and kind of goofy, but also like kind of cute because it gives it always gives the creatures these like bulbous eyes. Uh-huh. It's so good. It is cute. I like it. If I could find a picture online, maybe I'll include that. Maybe that'll be like the episode artwork for this episode or something. But uh, so models good. and digital effects by Christopher R. Mim in the giant spider. Yeah. I remember I must have been the giant spider. I was watching the credits and like under his name, it's just, there's so many things, including spider yeah. wrangler. And like, there's so many credits for him on there. $7,500. I feel like there's probably definitely a lot of, a lot of friends helping out. Mm-hmm. A lot of that money probably went to just like props and materials and location. Yeah. The equipment, the wall people was 10,000. Oh, the the double feature one? Mm-hmm. 
No, no, just the wall people, not both of them. Just the wall people. Just the wall people was oh. ten thousand. That's what it says. Yeah. Well, that one for sure has stop animation, like a little bit of claymation type of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, you've got like the lightning effects from the witch when she's attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, Brainiac's got to be after Brainiac. <laughs> yeah, when the creature at the end of that one finally popped up, Melly's like Brainiac. <laughs> yeah, kind of, definitely, kind of. Well, and you know, he's got the weird helmets that he's stuck in there, stuff out with. Yeah, you're right. Then that's the same kid. So was this one made? Was the wall people made first? Because he looks smaller in this one than he did in mm-hmm. the giant spider. No, but I did notice they did a clever thing mm-hmm. to where at the, the the beginning they used the I what I am assuming is the youngest kid. Oh, okay, a real little kid. And then when he first finds him in the forest, he sees him as the real little kid, but then it cuts back to him and it's the older kid because it's been like eight years in the story. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. Both. Also, the wall people that had some really like downer concepts in it. Super yeah. downer. Mm-hmm. They, they like they steal kids to, to you know, for because he, he needs food, which I liked a lot. And... uh <laughs> The spoilers, he gets the kid back. That kid looks brain dead. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he just stares off and doesn't say anything. And then, it's like, trauma, man. He's been turns on Pluto and looks at for him. how long? Like, eight years. Like, eight Ooh. years. This kid is going to be damaged. Yeah. And the they whole are, time, yeah, all he had to do was, like, sit there and think is this a planet? Is this not a planet? Is it a dwarf planet? I don't know. When that one little kid, like, it was a really good line. But when the kid tells him, he's like, you're dead. And I was like, wait. What did the kid say? Mm-hmm. So you're dead? <laughs> Whoa, this is really taking a turn. Uh, and that's right. when it, yeah, it kind of does for a little bit before it twists again. But I love that. Yeah. And then he's like, well, just give me a hug. Let me come and let me wrap my arms around you and touch you. And, uh, sh- sure. <laughs> the lady says. <laughs> it's like, yep, nope, something's wrong. I would absolutely recommend these. I love these. But I also, I would put a caveat on that because it's not going to be for everybody. And I think you'll find that, especially if you look at like Amazon.com reviews, which you guys, you guys streamed these um, or rented these from Amazon. Yes, we rented these on Amazon and thank God Amazon just finally, uh, not long ago, allowed streaming to Chromecast again. Apparently Amazon and Google set their crap aside. Yay. Oh, good. Because they were technically competing with Mm -hmm. their streaming devices and oh yeah because the fire so, stick or whatever yeah so amazon got all huffy and uh it was like well no amazon app on the chromecast then but they've reversed that since just recently so that's how we oh, watched good, it yeah good i was gonna say that's because that's how we watch it you know mm-hmm. yeah we rented this on amazon in hd and it was worth it it was three bucks for a rental i think it's like 10 bucks to buy most of these or you can rent the standard def for two bucks. I had this on DVD, so I watched it with with the uh, subtitles on because uh, if you get the DVDs or the Blu-rays, um, he does his own subtitles, and they're so they're so good. Like uh, when they're zapping the fiend in X, it's like it's like you can only you can only put the sound effect of zap so many times. So like at one point, it's like zapperoni and cheese. <laughs> it's just like super fun little easter eggs in the uh in the subtitles Subtitles. yeah as far as i could tell you can only find these on amazon or through his website 
I don't believe it's available anywhere else, which surprised me. Something I was telling Melanie, I was like, this guy, I'm like surprised he hasn't, doesn't have like a deal with Shudder or some streaming service because he's got a huge catalog. Like he puts out like a movie a year, easy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not bad. Like they're better than some of the stuff I see on these streaming services. Uh Such high praise. They're not bad. But what I mean is like, yeah, they're low budget, but like they're well made. Mm -hmm. There's some low budget stuff that we've seen that's fantastic. That's that's true. And then there's a lot that's not, but it's nice to find those gems. But I'm surprised like he doesn't have a deal with some streaming service or something. I've been listening to his Memiverse audio and uh, audio cast, his monthly podcast. And uh, I think, you know, like he's looking into it, but it's one of those things where like you got to know. You got to know people that can develop that kind of thing. Like the best would be for him to probably have his own streaming service. You know, to have a a memiverse kind of situation. Otherwise, because I don't think he makes a lot of money from the streaming of things on Amazon. It's just nice because it can get it out in front of a lot of people. Well, and I think any kind of deal you get with a streaming service, if it's a streaming, it's, you know, Netflix isn't going to be beating this guy's door down. But something like, you know, like random, I don't know, Tubi TV or Shutter, which is they specialize in or horror. Chiller. Is Chiller a thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, like you some of those services have just the worst movies. Like low like real low budget but bad movies. Like mm-hmm. the Scarecrow one? So I <laughs> Yeah, we won't talk about that. I don't know if that movie ever finished. It's like the one movie I could legit have a credit on. Mhm. Huh. Well, it was bad before you touched it, baby. I don't know if that movie was ever a thing. Anyway, I did visual effects on a movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. I randomly cro- come across those video files uh, last week or something. I don't know. I was digging around for something on a hard drive, and I come across it and watched it. And I was like, not great. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Like After Effects action from uh, seven years ago, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Corridor Digital, react to this effect. <laughs> okay, anyway, what were we saying? Yeah, I'm surprised, but I'm sure oh, I'm sure services like that don't pay out a lot of money. Like Amazon I'm, probably takes a big cut, but he's probably gets better return on actual views through Amazon than some of these services would offer. Well, one of the reasons that I brought it up is that uh, you know, like he'll have people who review the movie and there are the people who understand that get it that 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 buy into the homage factor and the fact that he is making a period piece with uh, new technology, and then there are other people that are just like, "This is just bad. This is a waste of my time." That kind of thing. Like they don't they don't get it. They're not buying in. They don't understand mm-hmm. what uh, Mim is doing with these movies, and uh, they come just to troll. So I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that isn't already savvy uh, or aware. Yeah, yeah, that they're not savvy or they don't already have a love for the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean it there are they are entertaining, but there is commitment to the genre, to the homaging to to a point where they're a little slow paced because that's how those movies were. And I feel like the writing in these and the acting in like the knowingly embracing some of the negative aspects of these movies make it more entertaining than the actual older, some of the actual older movies. Yeah. Right. But it's still there. So if you're not aware of that, 
or your stents or you just not, it's not your thing. Yeah. I could see you not really being into and it. And he's also like played with that in, in releases after these where it's like, okay, I know uh, this is a criticism that I've gotten about pacing and, uh, this like the next movie is probably one of his shorter movies. The uh, the Danny Johnson one is is really tight in terms of runtime. Real quick though, so these are intentionally bad movies. This is some Jesse. They're good when bad were, movies. When you were yeah, when you were talking about like who might be into it, who might not be, this popped in my head because intentionally campy or B grade movies or bad movies. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of common at this point, but I feel like these movies are much better than the general intentionally bad movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because those movies usually have, it comes down to attitude. The, uh, a lot of movies that go for that, it's purely making fun of like this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, see how dumb this was? Ha ha. We could do it too because right. it's easy and it's dumb. And that is not the attitude of these at all. Like no. these, he loves movies. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Clearly, at this, I mean, if it wasn't clear before, I'll just say it. I'm a fan. But if you talk to him in person, you can. It just oozes off of him. He loves movies. You can come to him with uh, a discussion on pretty much any movie, and I think he'll probably have something to say about it. Like these are making fun of, but also like making fun of a thing that you could tell he loves. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the interaction you have with your siblings, you know, like you love mm-hmm. your siblings, so you can give them the most crap. Yeah. yeah. It's got a good heart. All the, Like all these movies have a good heart behind them, you can tell, mm-hmm. good intention, as opposed to like just being snide or like yeah. sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Because I, I know like that kind of meta bad, intentionally bad thing can turn a lot of people off. Well, hey, I will include show notes, of course. I think his website's like sainteuphoria.com or something, but yep. I'll include show notes with links to where you can find these movies. I, I, Yeah, they were very entertaining. Let's see. I guess happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween! In terms of in-house news, uh, well, I've just got uh, GCU coming up. Uh, next episode of Grolic uh, Cinematic Universe dropped just before Halloween, and we will be dis- Jesse, you'll be there with us. Oh, hey. We will be discussing... Murder Party and the Warriors. If you've seen Murder Party, and chances are you haven't, although it is on Netflix now, there's an obvious Warriors reference in Murder Party. But also, they seem fitting because they're both like, we have to survive this night movies. So, yeah, I think it'd be fun. It'd be a fun potential for a double feature or for a shared universe. And there ain't no party like a murder... Like like a murder warrior party because a murder warrior party don't stop. <laughs> You're right. I like that. That's good. <laughs> episode 100 is coming up. Maybe next episode. Maybe maybe we'll put out. Maybe there will be more Grolic Nights episodes. I guess I do want to take a moment to ask you, audience member, especially if you've lasted this long into the episode, then you are a true fan. What what did you? How do you feel about the Grolic Nights when they when it pops up on your? Uh, podcast feed. I'm super curious about this because I feel like there's some good stuff in the Grolix Nights. They get they don't really get the same editing though as a normal episode, and I don't know. I, I feel like it's basically more of the same, so it'd be good. But maybe you don't like it. I'm just curious. Basically, what I want to know is if people are upset when they see it's a Grolix Nights that pops up 
instead of a proper episode if they're like, ah, <laughs> right. It's or if a cheap. Like, okay. Okay. It's more of the same. It's just there's more ums in this. <laughs> right. And Paul. There's more ums in Paul. <laughs> there's, there's more ums. There's more, more Paul. Maybe there's a Matt D. Maybe. Yep. Uh, or if you're going to be like, oh, it's a Grolix Knights. What movie are they complaining about now? <laughs> the fair. last three, the last three I put up on the feed are our movie reviews yeah. of the movies that we just kind of spent like an hour tearing apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but those are fun. Like that's why I chose those to go up on the proper feed because man, those episodes, those are fun. Yeah. Even Punisher. I found myself defending Punisher a little bit, not like hardcore defending it, but defending it a little bit on Twitter. Right. I was talking to uh one of the guys the that Lava used to be. In, uh, yeah, I was talking to Lava Hog. He used to be in uh Parlopod, the Parlopod oh, okay. podcast. Yeah. And uh he is not a fan of the movie at all. And I just <laughs> right, told him I was like, right. you know. My, I mean, my defending went it so far is like, yeah, it's not great, but it's pretty entertaining. We still spent like 45 minutes just tearing the movie apart. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he watched it because of that. <laughs> he said he owed us a haymaker. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, and Brightburn, our Brightburn review went up. So, you know, stuff like that. It's all stuff that felt still feels totally. I mean, that's why we cover certain movies on Grawlicks Nights, because they still feel Grawlicks appropriate. Right. All right, everybody. Well, that's all I got. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Was this a frightfully you aren't visited episode. by any giant spiders, any wall people, or any fiends from beyond space. And if you are, if you are, make sure that you know some scientist friends to come help you out. Yeah. Just try not to act so crazy when they show up. Yeah. Or maybe you're all dead. Hey you, listener, do you like the scary, the terrifying, and the macabre? Then boy, do I have a podcast for you. Head on over to Moose's Marvelous Woodburnings on Facebook on the 25th of every month, starting in October, for new episodes of Moose's Monster Mash, a podcast about horror where myself and one of my friends sit down each month and discuss different horror movies. That's Moose's Monster Mash, and it's only available at Moose's Marvelous Woodburnings on Facebook.com. This is Melanie. This sonic transducer, it is, I suppose, some kind of audio vibratory physio-molecular Grolix device. This is Jesse. Let's show this prehistoric Grolix how we do things downtown. This has been Randy. They murdered my family. They thought they murdered me. My actions are not vengeance. No, not vengeance. Grolix. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vorpal Arrow Studios. For more Grolix Podcast, visit GrolixPodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, or follow us on Twitter at Podcast. We're also everywhere. All the time. All at once. I want to talk to Christopher Armin just about the wall people. Like, well, I made, I've made <laughs> I know, like I bet, 18. You know, I, I bet if you reach out to him, he'd totally be down for that. It would be all about scheduling. Like, so Christopher, he's like, yeah, I made like a, made like 14, 18 movies. I'm like, yeah, but the wall people, let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about one half of your double feature. <laughs> one half of one of them. <laughs>
I, I got to think he'd probably be pretty uh, fascinated with your fascination. <laughs>